Welcome to The Hoodoo Factory, a game show and discussion podcast about the 90s NBC sitcom classic, News Radio. We will be drafting News Radio episodes into units with a common theme. In part A of the podcast, we will host a game show based on our drafted episodes. The contestants will compete for ABSA points in hopes of being declared the ABSA winner. In part B of the podcast, we will discuss the episode in greater detail. We are three dorks who prefer the term news radiologists who decided to use Twitter and podcasting for good instead of pure evil. Hello, fellow WNYXkins. I'm Tom, and I will be today's host. I am here with fantasy football enthusiast Thaddeus. Go team, go. <laughs> and breadmaker extraordinaire Lauren. Thank you very much. <laughs> this episode, our 50th episode, is the third and final episode in our Bill Bastic unit. And Lauren is going to kick it off with our Agent Zero pew pew plot synopsis. Thank you, Tom. All right. Our 50th episode was season three, episode 20. It originally aired on April 2nd, 1997, which was a Wednesday. And as I will never stop pointing out, it was not actually their 50th episode. It oh. was their 48th. So even <laughs> if you count injury as part of season two, as it was originally intended, that would still only make this the 49th episode. But I digress. But I'm probably going to bring it up like 10 more times. I'll be appropriate. <laughs> Um, following a scuffle over a parking infraction, Bill is committed to a mental institution. Dave and Catherine attempt to have him released. By the time they have his discharge arranged, Bill doesn't want to leave. While Bill is away, Lisa and Joe fill in on the real deal with Bill McNeil's segment, and Joe tries first to make the show argumentative, then upon Jimmy's urging, gives it a more dramatic spin. Mr. James gives Beth a corporate credit card and sends her out to do market research and finds out what the common man thinks of the Lisa Joe segment. Beth immediately abuses the privilege. <laughs> Thank you, Lauren. Now, we've chosen a few categories and games that I, as host, will award arbitrary absent points to the contestants for their answers and arguments. At the end of part A, I will award one lucky contestant our episode's ABSA Award for Excellence in this podcast. So let's get started with round one, Absa Fever. All right, round one. Uh, starting with, I believe, Lauren, what scene would you show to a new person? I think it's got to be the cold open. Yes. I think this was one of the funniest cold opens of the series. And yes. it's so different from any regular news radio scene, much less a cold open scene. Um, silent acting, mm. always hilarious. I, yes. I especially love the way it's filmed where the camera never moves and Bill runs off screen a couple times and then runs back <laughs> through the shot. It's just, it's visual comedy uh, at its best. Absolutely. It's all funny. And yeah, I don't think you need to know anything about Bill's character <laughs> to find that scene hilarious. So it would you, be great for a new person. <laughs> you learn a lot without having him say anything. <laughs> yeah. Yep. yep. <laughs> all right, that. What would be a scene that you would show to a person not familiar? <laughs> All right. So after hearing my answer for number one, being thrown right back at me. 
<laughs> Maybe better than I could have given it. Um, my my first scene is going to be the doctor's diagnosis of Bill when when Dave and Catherine step into the doctor's office. Um, and to me, it's it's going to be the fact that the doctor is so dead on in describing what's wrong with Bill. Um, he says, well, you must have noticed that Mr. McNeil is a textbook paranoid psychotic. <laughs> he has difficulty forming emotional relationships with others. He exhibits irrational hostility that often manifests itself in manipulative behavior. He thinks none of his friends really like him. And his feelings about his parents are unusual at best uh I, I again it's so dead on for bill mcneil and the fact that dave and Catherine are trying to defend him even if you never saw the show before the fact that they keep on trying to make excuses but they're they can't really argue anything that the doctor's saying uh and then the joke obviously goes into bill being behind the doctor in the window dave going over there and i i really like the line of the doctor uh, ending with Mr. Nelson, this is not the ape cage at the zoo. You know, uh, you know, don't get them all riled up. So I think I think anybody who's new would still enjoy that scene a lot and hopefully laugh as hard as I would. Very good, very good. All right, Lauren, what's your second scene that you would show to a new person? Um, I'm gonna go with the scene where Bill declares he wants to stay in the mental hospital. So the one where um, Dave and Catherine present him with the papers and he won't—he refuses to sign them. Um, mostly, I like the bit about the it's snack time. What are they serving? Snacks. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> and then, um, you know, capped off with Dave realizing that Bill may be onto something here. Right. Um, I think it's a very funny standalone scene, and I think the um, that line after line, a new person wouldn't know what to expect next. Right. Very good. That's a great scene. Uh, all right, Thad. What's your number two? All right, so my second scene is going to be Jimmy telling Lisa that she's going to do the show with Joe. Um, I think, again, even if you don't know anything about the show, Lisa is so clearly like the everyman character. She just wants to come in, do her job, and her boss, who is weirdly handing her crackers, talking on the phone <laughs> at the same time, and basically threatening to, to put somebody else on the air. Her, her, fust like her going from just kind of being incredulous to frustrated to accepting it and just kind of like leaving... I think that scene is great and, uh, you know, caps off Matthew coming back in with the crackers <laughs> on him and getting a drink, eating a cracker off of his glasses and walking away. So uh, I think I think that scene is highly enjoyable. Very good. Very good. I'm actually going to uh, give that one to Lauren. Um, Cold open's tough to beat. Cold it's open, yeah. To it's, top it's that a, one. Yeah, yeah. When, you, when you go first, you, you have a definite advantage. Um, <laughs> So, Thad, uh, what quote is most usable or would you want to use in real life? All right. So it's going to be a variation of John Lovett's talking to Bill in, the, in bed after the Urkelbot story. Tall guy like yourself with guidance of a brilliant mastermind like myself. <laughs> and I think that I can pretty much try to encourage anybody to come along with me using any describer for them but I'm always going to be the brilliant mastermind. <laughs> like, come on, what are you doing? Let's go see a movie, huh? Bored person like yourself, brilliant mastermind like myself, we could make this happen. <laughs> Anything, going to the bar, uh, going, I don't know. <laughs> I think you pretty much have to go places the way I have it set up in my head. But I really like the, hey, you know, like person with money like yourself, with the guidance of a brilliant mastermind like myself, we could pick out the best steak restaurant in the area. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. 
<laughs> Lauren, what do you have? Um, I like uh, John Lovitz's line, oh, you've seen too many movies. <laughs> I think it's very usable. I like it anytime someone makes an extremely reasonable assumption and you want to make it sound outrageous. <laughs> you right. know, like somebody is like, oh, the weather's going to be hot today. Ah, you've seen too many movies. <laughs> <laughs> but it also works in a more outrageous situation when someone's proposing something like a, a brilliant mastermind like that self trying to convince me mm -hmm. to go to a bar. Mm -hmm. I might just tell him. Oh, mm -hmm. you've seen too many movies. <laughs> <laughs> Which somehow makes sense. Even though it doesn't, it somehow does. <laughs> I would accept it. Like, all right. <laughs> all right, Dad, what's your number two? All right. So my number two is Dave uh, talking to Bill, saying, you cannot vacation in a mental ward. It just isn't done. <laughs> and I really like the fact that there's no real reason. Like, the thing, it just isn't done. It's some weird social <laughs> pressure to try to apply. So to it's me, like a, it's like, you could say it for anything you don't want to do or you don't want somebody to do. Just Like, you can't put the milk back in the fridge when it's empty. It just isn't done. <laughs> like, it doesn't mean anything. You use it all over the place. <laughs> you cannot be the host of this podcast. It just isn't done. Um... <laughs> So the flexibility, I think you could use it in a lot of different situations, and I think it would be funny in most. Very good. Lauren, second. Second quote for me is, yes, but I prefer the term crazy. Ah. <laughs> Another Lovitz line, um, and I think this could be used, obviously, anytime if someone calls you crazy or said that's so crazy, or anytime someone uses the word crazy, you can use this line, but you can also use it for any adjective someone uses to describe you, yes. just replace yes. crazy with that. So like if someone was like, wow, you're defensive, I might say, yes, but I prefer the term defensive. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very good. Very good. I have to give that to Lauren because she came up with the only line that I actually had down as one of my usable ones. So yeah, fair play there. <laughs> that last one was my third one that I had prepped. Yeah. So I'm like, once again, it's like hearing my answer given better than I was going to give it. <laughs> <laughs> We're only two Got questions it. in. Yep. Okay. Uh, Lauren, what gag or bit had the biggest impact on the episode? Um, I liked the gag of Fred talking to the cigarettes. Um, it's a small moment each time he does it, but it's funny that Bill never catches on. <laughs> like, you would think, okay, you would think by the second time he would know, but no. Um, and, of course, we get the big payoff at the end where he's, he's leaving crying and he's saying he was talking to the cigarette. And this is possibly one of John Lovitz's funniest bits of the entire series, in oh, my yeah. opinion. No doubt. No doubt. <laughs> yeah. All right, then. All right. Uh, so mine is going to be Lisa throwing the crackers over her shoulder when Jimmy kind of looks away and Matthew coming back in with it. Um, I, I think it had the biggest impact. It kind of shows the way that Jimmy is trying to force feed her uh, this this show with Joe and the storylines and all that. Um, it is an actual cracker time, uh, which we actually get to see. And it is reassuring to see what it is. And it actually gives Matthew his only scene in the episode. So I think that one had the biggest impact on the overall episode. I also, I, I want some help if from either from you guys, if you know, or from our listeners, if they can figure it out. Because there's another episode, and I can't figure out which one it is, where he's handing Catherine 
the same thing. It's, it's squeezed <laughs> cheese on a cracker. And she puts it in her mouth and she goes, that's delicious. And then as soon as she's out of the break room, you can hear her spit it into the trash can. Oh, man. Now I have to find I don't, it. I don't know which episode it is. So if anyone's listening, you know, tweet us at hoodoo underscore factory and let us know what episode that is because it's going to drive me crazy. <laughs> yeah, he's like in the break room. And I think he's giving them out to other people, too. Like everybody's mm-hmm. coming in. And he's giving them crackers, and then some of them get thrown up against the wall. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The way she whips that first cracker. (laughs) (laughs) Those were both good. Uh, I'm going to give that a tie. um, That I did like that one. Uh, But Lauren actually had my number one. So. Um, Lauren had my number one too. You're yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm number All one. Right. All right. That what is the coolest detail or the nice adequate touch in this episode? All right. So the coolest detail was was when Bill or Mike gets the cigarette and John Lovitz flicks the lighter, holds it in his face, and says, Fire good. Which is a throwback to Phil Hartman's Frankenstein character on SNL, uh, in which I believe, uh, well, first of all, his whole thing was fire bad. So that's the other side of it. So John Lovitz saying fire good, obviously, is kind of playing off of that. Uh, But also John Lovitz was also in that skiff. I remember, right, it was like Tarzan, Tonto, and Frankenstein, and John Lovitz was playing Tonto. Uh, so it was a skit that they did together. So that's that's why I kind of connect it as the coolest detail that uh, that they put in the episode. Yes. Very good. I also know that Tom loves SNL. (laughs) (laughs) Play the judge. That's right. (laughs) All right, Lauren, what did you have as the coolest detail? Well, it's hard to follow that one. That was a really cool detail. I enjoyed that. Um, I like the doctor's necktie. Um, Everything in the mental institution is very bland and calm and the staff are all wearing like muted colors. Everything's very neutral. And then the doctor has on this insane tie that looks like it's like decorated with flying ice cream sandwiches smeared in ketchup or something. And um, it's it's the weirdest print. It was really out there. And I thought it was a nice adequate touch because it seems counterintuitive to everything the doctor is saying about keeping the patients calm and not riling them up. (laughs) Yes. A little bit of whimsy in an otherwise dreary place. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, very good. However, I got to give that one to Thad. That was uh, definitely I, my I coolest detail as well. Uh, that was that was a good one. Um, very good. So moving on to the best episode enigma. Um, okay, and Lauren, you get to go first on this one. Okay. Um, I want to know. Is Catherine Bill's emergency contact? Like, why is Catherine to know that Bill has been arrested and committed to a mental institution? Shouldn't it have been one of his family members that got that call and tried to sort it out for him? But no, it's Catherine, and she's the only one in the office who knows. She has to tell Dave. So is Catherine Bill's emergency contact? And if so, who's Catherine's emergency contact? Hmm. Very good. It's like (laughs) an Archer and Lana situation, anybody watches the show archer um okay uh thad what do you have i have a tough choice to make it sounds pretty good um all right so i'm I'm gonna try to play the judge again is 10 to 6 the official schedule because bill tells fred at the end just listen from 10 to 6 and you'll hear me on the radio 
So we've had many, many discussions about what the schedule is, when are they supposed to be there, how does all that work? Do we finally have an answer that 10 to 6 is like that official work schedule day, and that's when they are, and that's why they go to dinner all the time. That's why I think in one episode, uh, when when Beth and Matthew are acting up, they're like, it's 6 o'clock, and they all roll out for drinks. I think they say 6 o'clock. So my question is, is this the actual mold that we're supposed to be working from hmm. okay i like that that's a good one however the, the emergency contact one is that, that yeah. is a, that's a winner i'm sorry that was that was an uphill <laughs> battle um, <laughs> lauren gets that one um okay we're moving on to the bill i stole your cane keepsakes uh what item would you take from the set of of the episode to display or to wear Thad, what, what is your first item? Uh, it's going to be Bill's robe. Bill's robe in the institution, it seems very nice, very comfort, kind of plush. Uh, seems like the type of thing I can walk around the house in with a, with a cup of joe. Mm. Yeah. A uh, robe yeah. Is, is very, very comfortable. <laughs> Mike McNeil, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lauren, what's your first keepsake? Um, first, I want to say I'm not doing a podcast with a man in shabby pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> these are shabby. I paid 15 cigarettes for these. <laughs> and around here, that's like, you know, $7. <laughs> I stand by my statement. <laughs> okay, I'm going to go with uh, Jimmy's WNYX clipboard with the paper that he wrote, Say Yes. Um, so on the back, it's got the WNYX logo, which I had never really noticed on any of the clipboards that are sometimes laying around in these scenes. Um, but also just like his handwriting with all the weird underlines, Say Yes. And it's written over something's printed on that paper that he scrawled on. So I want to see what was printed on there, but mainly the clipboard with the logo. I thought that was really cool. Very good. Very good. All right, Thad, uh, what would your second one be? All right, my second item is going to be the cheese and crackers and the cheese whiz can, uh, whatever brand it was. I would put a sealant over the cheese and crackers, cake the can, put it all into a nice little <laughs> glass display as if it is my lucky dime, and put it in the heart of my uh, WNYX collection. So Very the good. cheese was in the can, the, the physical evidence that there was an actual cracker time is going to get set up in my display case. Eternal cracker time. I like it. <laughs> I like the idea of all these keepsakes piling up and being used together. So I'm picturing that in the robe with the you know the shrine to the cheese and crackers, smoking Bill's pipe from Movie Star. That's right. <laughs> my Bill McNeil wall. And he's got the he's got the helmet from uh, Balloon on his head, the, the flight helmet. <laughs> <laughs> ballooning my ass off <laughs> in a row in a row over top of the jimmy jumpsuit <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the tearaway tuxedo i think was my call oh, that's, right. that's, that's what i wanted all right lauren what is your second keepsake okay the second keepsake is the sorry board game that was sitting on the table when bill tells dave and Catherine that he's not leaving the mental hospital that's that's a classic sorry game like i have a i have a current version it doesn't look like that anymore so that thing's vintage i thought that was pretty cool i'd like that wow 
Okay. Yeah, it kind of makes sense because you would think a place like that, they wouldn't have the latest game. It'd be some old looking. Yeah, that does make some sense. Um, I got to give that one to Thad. The robe is just too comfortable. Too comfortable. <laughs> that, that's the, everything else is good, but uh, the robe pushed it over the edge. Right. And the clipboard was my number two. Timmy's clipboard was my number two. I was like, oh, man. That was a good choice. <laughs> okay. So bringing us up to the, who was the MVP or runner-up. Um, so let's see, both of you, who did you have as your MVP? Um, Lauren, who did you have? I have Catherine. Okay. And Thad. I have Catherine. Okay. We're moving on to runner-ups. Uh, Lauren. My runner-up is Fred. Okay. My runner-up is Fred. Okay, very good. We're all on the same page here. That's exactly what I had. Okay, um, let's hear why. Um, Lauren, you, you uh, go ahead with, with why is Fred the runner-up. Okay. Um, I think John Lovitz's performance as the eccentric crazy person who gloms onto Bill and was directly in... It, I think it was directly in John Lovitz's wheelhouse. Um, every line... Reed had humor to it and I think they knew exactly who this character was supposed to be and John Lovitz was able to play straight into that and I think we learn from this that um, John Lovitz is good in small doses right it's okay. <laughs> actually correct that is, yeah that's a great great argument all right that why did you have Fred as the runner-up uh, so I, I had him again very largely uh, very similar to what Lauren is saying um, but I think for me, it's like John Lovitz makes a choice as an actor. Like his whole thing is he makes choices and sometimes it works and sometimes it does not work. Uh, but it's always very, very unique. And this situation played right into his wheelhouse. Like Lauren said, where all the choices he made for that character really worked. You know, like there was nothing about that character that didn't work right from jump of him coming in, imitating the doctor all the way to him saying goodbye to the cigarette. It was just like, you know. That part, that part was basically, if not factually, written for John Lovitz, you know? Right. Uh, both excellent arguments. I, I, I can't see how I could give you anything but a tie on that one, um, <laughs> since you had exactly the same. Um, it's true. However, let's real quick. Um, Catherine as MVP. Let's, let's just discuss that real quick. Um, Lauren, what, what did you have down for uh, reasons that, that Catherine was the MVP? Um, so I know we've talked a lot about Catherine's reactions and how brilliant they are, um, mm-hmm. especially in this unit. We've really noticed it. Um, this episode takes the cake for me. Uh, we've got that fantastic ha at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> She's trying so hard to keep it together and Priceless. she just has to let that one out. It was uh, great. Yes. Um, and her reactions to the doctor's diagnosis. Like we hear... Dave reacting, but if you watch Catherine, she's right. doing all this physical reacting where she's like ticking boxes in her head, like, yep, that's Bill, that's Bill, that's Bill. <laughs> yep. um, and her reactions to Bill claiming he wants to vacation in a mental institute were really great. And then her, her reaction to Fred having a mental breakdown as an air traffic controller, she does this full body react where she is just like recoiling. It is fantastic. So, so just based on reactions alone, uh, I think. The MVP goes to Catherine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that what what did you have down for uh, Catherine for this one? Uh, essentially, she she throws fire every time she's on screen. She's got four yeah. scenes and she kills them all. She shows up in the Dalmatian suit, very very nineties, <laughs> and she does have that that escape the laugh about Bill that really makes that scene. 
Uh, yeah, she shows up with Dave and reacts to the doctor, helps Dave out a little bit. And, um, you know, again, really, really good. Shows up to get Bill released, uh, you know, all the way to her getting that last joke about Lisa not letting Dave make decisions. Uh, and then at the very end, picking up Bill, the shabby pajamas line is a good one. It's such a good line. Uh, and so I'm just like, man, she's in four scenes and she kills everyone. You know, it's like when you, when you shoot 100 percent, you got to be the MVP. Oh, no doubt. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it is amazing that that first scene where she comes in and tells Dave what's going on. I mean, basically, it's just it's totally expository and it has no right being funny. Right. But because it's her and Dave together, they just they they find whatever humor you can find in that. And really like that, that Yelp is just perfect. It's yeah. like. <laughs> It's up there with some of the other like little moments that we've talked about, like how like when Bill and Dave are in the autobiography, uh, they go from you know, like just congratulating each other to like, you know, and they they pop up and and start saying, "Well, I didn't know you were felt so strongly about this, and you made your <laughs> mind up." You know, it it's it's right in that level. It's that same level of greatness. So, yeah, very good. Very good. The Hoodoo Factory is brought to you by Agent Zero. This summer, one man had danger brought to his doorstep and no way out. Agent Zero. Well, that completes our Absa Fever round. Uh, now I'm going to tally the points and we will go to our Freakzilla report. Straight from the message board, all the best and worst reactions to this episode at the time it aired. So here is the Freakzilla report from Lauren. Okay. So a lot of people came to the message boards to congratulate News Radio on their 50th episode, which it wasn't. Someone named Glenn came to the board to say only to say that they counted 49 episodes, including the lost episode with Norm MacDonald. He's, of course, referring to injury. Um, they were correct and injury still had not aired at that point. So, so they didn't, they didn't really know what that episode was even about. They just knew it didn't happen. Um, but nobody ever answered Glenn about this not being the 50th episode. So I just want to say, Glenn, I see you. (laughs) (laughs) Good job, Glenn Coco. (laughs) There were a lot of comments about how the goodbye scene at the end between Bill and John Lovitz's character were very touching, but still managed to be funny. Um, it was noted that news radio not doing a lot of mushy stuff was what made it great. So it was nice to see them put a comedic spin on it, but still give a nice moment between two actors who are actually friends in real life. Someone named Rick said they yeah. missed the first few minutes of the episode, but were able to piece together what had happened from context. His burning question was about the car Bill was driving. He wanted to know if it was the Mazda Miata that was gifted to him by Jimmy in the Christmas episode of the previous season. Someone named Neil and another person named Mr. Silly Cow confirmed that it did appear to be the same car. Neil, huh? Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Different Neil. <laughs> We may never know. (laughs) Um, A lot of people liked the Joe and Lisa scenes. They thought it was really funny the way Joe played it like he was a reluctant participant. And he was all all for the combative nature of the show in the beginning. But then when it turned into a love story, you could tell he hated himself a little bit for doing it. Um, Someone named Rigby said they hate cliffhangers and were dying to know if Lisa would say yes to his proposal. That is Neil's cat. (laughs) (laughs) 
I wasn't gonna out out (laughs) (laughs) Tom's pulling no punches here um someone named Zach said they wanted a poster print of Beth with her bouffant hairstyle playing the tables in Las Vegas it is a fantastic image I agree but do you think that's Las Vegas I always assumed it was supposed to be Atlantic City I also thought it was Atlantic City Atlantic City I mean, to I don't think you really could take a helicopter from Las Vegas to Manhattan um, without stopping several places along the way. Yeah. Um, but I did I did look it up from um, AC to Manhattan is about six hours by helicopter, <laughs> according to the old Google. So she okay. yeah she's not getting back in fifteen minutes. <laughs> right. Definitely. No. Well, this has been the Freakzilla report. Good. Thank you, Lauren, for that Freakzilla report. Um, we are going into our second and final round. Uh, Lauren is leading Thad by a score of three to two. Uh, we'll see how it winds up. Uh, round two, or as we call it, the Marty Party, is a little more social. It's going to be our versions of buy or sell or would you rather. Uh, so remember, good Marty Party does not an absent make, except sometimes it does. And it's still anyone's game. Here we go. Game one is called The Real Deal or The McNeil Perspective. In this game, contestants will get a statement and have to explain whether they buy the statement as the real deal or sell it as the McNeil Perspective. The first statement is for Thad. You're up first, so tell me why it's the real deal or the McNeil Perspective that this is John Lovitz's best episode of news radio, including season five. This is the real deal, Tom. Uh, this is the real deal. I think we, we just kind of talked about in the MVP section about how this role just really fits John Lovitz and that he, again, all of his choices work all the way through. And as good as he is and as vital a role as he plays in some of the other episodes, I don't know if you get something so consistent and so uh, just kind of accurate in terms of the type of comedy that the episode needed. So I say it is the real deal. Okay. Okay. Lauren, uh, Tell me why this is the McNeil perspective. This is the McNeil perspective because I think his performance in Jumper was funnier. There was so much physical comedy in that episode with them just hanging from the building. Um, And you do get to see a little bit of like the crazy line reads like you get in this episode, like, you know, so are scissors, (laughs) stuff like that. Um, But, you know, we still get to see Lovitz and Bill playing opposite each other. And in general, I think Jumper was a funnier episode and his performance was funnier in it. And would just like to know that neither one of us commented on season five. (laughs) (laughs) There were some good bits. There were some good, yeah, it had its highlights. <laughs> it did, it did. And then, including some of the stuff that Lovitz did. But yeah, I have to go with uh, Thad on this. This is the real deal. Yeah. I um, like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think Jumper would have been what I was going to use, I think, to try to come back with it, too. So there you go. <laughs> so, uh, Lauren, moving on to question two. Uh, tell me why it's the real deal or the McNeil perspective that at some point, while they work together, Joe fake proposed to Catherine. In the series, he has fake proposed to both Beth and Lisa. This is the real deal. 
I think not only did he fake propose to Catherine, I think he did it in a way that he was hoping to secretly reveal his true feelings to her, but with the out of, oh, it was all just a big joke in case she didn't reciprocate. Okay. All right. That, tell me why it's the McNeil perspective. Uh, this is this is the McNeil perspective. Uh, there are girls that you pull jokes with and there are girls that you eventually want to get with and fake proposing is not how you get a girl that you actually want to be with down the line. So we know that Joe actually likes Catherine. He may not know that he actually likes Catherine, but Joe actually likes Catherine. I think he has too much respect for her to actually fake propose as if it was a joke. So he's think... just going to woo her instead? <laughs> so, woo! Yeah. <laughs> But like you're saying that he proposes and it's fake if she turns him down. <laughs> that was that's your argument. Like, oh no, oh well, then I, it was fake then. Okay. I, I I have to go with that on this. This is the McNeil perspective because he for real propositioned her uh, through use of the desk. <laughs> <laughs> so that that comeback. Okay, it's on. All right. <laughs> so that uh tell me why it's the real deal or the mcneil perspective that bill actually appointed himself the prime minister of ward 15 and was not actually elected uh this is going to be the mcneil perspective uh because any good government needs to make sure that they have followers behind its leaders now just because Bill and Fred are the only two non-vegetable state comatose-like patients in the entire ward. Does not mean that they did not actually hold a vote. And he is, even if nobody else voted but Fred, he is the prime minister of Ward 15. Okay. All right. Uh, Lauren, why is this the, the real deal? This is the real deal, just given Bill's typical manipulative behavior. And he, he's always making plays for power. Mm-hmm. Um, it, that power can take different forms. You know, like we saw him, he didn't necessarily want to be the boss, but they made him the boss, and then he was happy to sort of give it up. He doesn't always want to be in charge, but sometimes that is what he's going for. Um, whatever he foresees as a position of power, that's what he's going to go for. And even if he rigged the election, I think he wants to feel legitimate. It's the fact that these people wanted me that's important to him. Okay. So you're saying that he was elected? Yes. Okay. I think that was oh, the opposite. Oh, I think I got it wrong. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, failure to understand the, the exercise. Uh, Thad, another point to you. <laughs> I'm going to disagree. It's not the first time I've done that. <laughs> I am going to say that he... I do, he, too. That this is the real deal, that he actually appointed himself because, like you said, a good government needs this. There is no evidence that this was a good government. No. <laughs> in bad governments, people seize power all the time, and that's what this seems to be. Yeah, but you know, I wanted to call attention to the fact that everybody else in there was like a zombie. So yeah. even if he did an election, <laughs> he's just gonna be like, "All right, all opposed, nobody." Looks like yeah. I'm the guy. <laughs> you know. So and I think Lord is is like kind of like half right. It's like he he appointed himself with a fake election. With a fake election, right? You know, he, it was rigged. Yes, we've seen it before. <laughs> okay all right lauren um number four 
uh, is this the real deal or the McNeil perspective? If no one would ever find out, Dave Nelson would definitely vacation in a mental institution for a week. Um, I'm going to say this is the real deal. And I'm going to say not only would Dave Nelson vacation in a mental institution for a week, I think during this time of his life, Dave Foley might have considered that a nice little break as well. Um, but we witnessed Dave's descent into madness over the course of the five seasons. This right. is more or less right in the middle. And yeah. I think at this point, he is feeling the pressure and he recognizes that hiding away like this doesn't sound so bad. It's true. Okay. Uh, Thad, why is this the McNeil perspective? All right. This is the McNeil perspective because Dave would know himself and he would not be able to play off as if, I mean, again, let's, let's think about Dave coming back to the office and pretending that he was, say, in Wisconsin or Ohio, as Mr. James <laughs> likes to call it. Uh, do you see him smoothly just kind of transitioning out? Just, hey, yeah, I'm very satisfied. Or nervously doing something to have his secret revealed. I don't think that he can keep the secret. And that's why I think he's not going to go. Okay. Uh, I got to give that one to Lauren. Um, mm. I, I think you're on the, you, you got a good point. Although I just, I just don't think the people in the office care enough because when he comes back and tells them about Wisconsin slash Ohio, <laughs> nobody seems to give a crap at all. <laughs> he's quickly True. derailed by Matthew's mustache. Very true. <laughs> Jump. <Let's be> <laughs> okay. So that has been uh, Real Deal or McNeil Perspective. Now we're going to move on to Would You Rather Have an Adequate Day? Uh, a game based on ideas related to the episode. Um, we'll have a short discussion about each of the four choices and the always unfortunate bonus consequence. Uh, then everyone, including the host, will draft from all the choices. Whoever's day sucks the least will win the game and be awarded a whopping six absent points. So here are the choices. Would you rather have a job send you out to randomly poll at least 150 people or come to believe that your best work friend is legitimately delusional? Dad, which which one would you rather? I'm going to go with B um, because it doesn't say dangerous. <laughs> uh, if I thought that that person was dangerous, it'd be one thing. But I think we've all worked with somebody who does not quite see reality the same way that we see it. <laughs> Sometimes it is it is to our benefit in terms of our entertainment and amusement, which doesn't mean that we don't care about them as, as people. We just kind of have to accept that uh, they have some limitations. Uh, going out to randomly talk to 150 people makes me sweat just thinking about it. You know, just like, also, as a as a large male, people don't necessarily react the way you might think when they get approached. Like, mm. I'm like, I don't know what she's reaching for in that purse, but it's probably not good for me. <laughs> so yeah, I'm definitely going with one B. Okay, Lauren, which one would you take? I'm going with B. Also, yeah, okay. I've kind of for the same reasons. Also, I think. Well, I don't know. If, I don't know if. Um, going out to randomly poll 150 people if i have to get 150 responses to the poll how many people do you think i actually have to talk to because half mm. the people are just gonna blow you off and be like nah i'm not doing that uh, I, um, i'm counting those okay i'm pretty sure he said no so we're gonna mark him down as a no <laughs> if i ring the doorbell and nobody answers that's going down as a no. <laughs> 
Um, meanwhile, if my best work friend turns out to be delusional, sounds like it's time to make a new best work friend. <laughs> <laughs> Not loyal. People change, people change jobs all the time. <laughs> okay. So, Lauren, uh, would you rather have to recount an episode of Family Matters three times in a row, having your audience interrupt to ask questions each time, or have every person at work repeatedly call you by the wrong name, a name that you absolutely hate? So, I will say, I get called the wrong name a lot. I can't tell you how many times I get called Lori, Laura, Laurel, every variation. For some reason, I've gotten called Aaron my entire life. I, I guess I look like an Aaron. I don't know why. Hmm. Um, Tom called me Lisa on mic once. <laughs> That's yes, documented. I did. Yes, I did. Yeah, Tom, Aaron has a point. <laughs> hey, stop calling Laurel that. <laughs> And I will say, generally, it doesn't bother me, but I think if it's a name I absolutely hated, that would make all the difference. Um, so I'm going with the first one because um, I have a lot of practice with my kids with telling the same oh. story over and over and over again and being interrupted constantly. Like, I've I've, uh, I've become accustomed to that. <laughs> Good point. Good point. And it's only three times. There's a, there's a limit. Yeah. Right, Dad, which, which, which way would you go? Um, I, I would actually have to go with B on this one. Um, I would go absolutely insane re-saying it three times in a row with questions each time. <laughs> so like by the end of it, I'm yelling at people like, you're not listening to my story. I'm telling you this story. Uh, and I think I, there's something weird about like being called the wrong name. I've been called the wrong name or variations. Like, uh, you know, my last name is a first name. So people switch all sorts of stuff. So, like, I just kind of, like, I think I would be irritated, but after a while, I would just be like, all right, man, whatever. <laughs> just kind of go, either just accept it or maybe try to steer into it, maybe try to adjust it somehow. But, like, I don't think that I would want to fight everybody on the name thing. Um, but I would definitely want to punch somebody if I had to retell that story three times in a row <laughs> and have to answer questions while I'm doing it every time. All right, don't ask Thelonious to do a story time at the library. <laughs> uh, Mussolini here? No, of course not. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Dad, would you rather have one of your top three most embarrassing moments reenacted, post-produced with pop-up bubbles of information, and put up on YouTube, or... Spend three nights in a mental institution due to a misunderstanding. <laughs> this, this is a really, this is such a tough one. Um, so, all right, I'm, I'm going to talk my way through a little bit. If I spent three nights in a mental institution due to a misunderstanding, first of all, after seeing Dave and Bill, I'm kind of like, oh, maybe that wouldn't be so bad. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, they're probably going to medicate you, and I think it would get real weird, and I'd be real nervous. Like, I would be so anxious about not getting out because of a misunderstanding that I don't think it would exactly be a vacation for me. However, <laughs> theoretically, I would have a story about how I accidentally got, you know, put into a mental institution for a couple nights. Having one of my top three most embarrassing moments reenacted, post-seduced with pop-up bubbles information and put on YouTube. I just don't like the fact that there is a long-term record of this mistake that can be accessed <laughs> by anyone at any time. So Can't take I B out of a pool. think I'm going to have to go with B once again and 
Uh, but it is a tough one. <laughs> it is a right. tough one. That is. This was definitely a, a doozy. All right, Lauren, uh, which would you rather? I mean, obviously neither. If I had a choice, these yeah, are both well, bad. But that is not the exercise. Um, <laughs> I think I'm gonna go with the first one. As miserable as that embarrassing moment might be, with the second one, you basically lose three days of your life. Like whatever you had to do, whatever you had going on, it's just on hold for three straight days, and you don't get that time back. Um, that being said, if it's not just a misunderstanding and you do need some help with your mental health, I think we should all work on destigmatizing that because everyone would benefit in the long run if mental health care was treated more like regular health care and you didn't have to be embarrassed about it. So I'm going to step off that soapbox, but I'm going with A. <laughs> okay. Right. Yeah, Tom, I'm willing to bet that I've embarrassed myself much worse than Lauren has. <laughs> <laughs> Like, Lauren's like, what was that time I sent the bread to the wrong house? I'm like, yeah, that was, that was awful. Awful. And I'm like, one time in college, like, pull the mic. <laughs> okay. All right, Lauren, uh, would you rather have a coworker publicly propose to you at a large sporting event or concert on a day that you forgot to wear your wedding ring or be sitting next to Andy Dick at an event and the kiss cam puts you both on the big screen. <laughs> okay. First of all, um, I want to say my own husband wasn't allowed to propose to me. That's a story for a different podcast. Um, so I wouldn't have a problem just shutting that down. Like, you know, you, you put it out there, you put it back in. Right. Um, but on the second one, you already lost me at sitting next to Andy Dick. <laughs> like, regardless of what came next in that sentence, I wasn't choosing that one. <laughs> so I'm going with A. <laughs> very good. Very good. All right, Dad, which would you rather? Oh, man. The thing about the, the proposal in public, especially at a large event, is how, how badly, how much, pretty much if you say no, it's over. <laughs> like the rest of the crowd, everybody watching, everybody wants to cheer. If you say no, your whole day is over. You like, you basically have to leave. You can't enjoy yourself anymore because everybody's <laughs> going to know. Um, however, man, sitting next to Andy Dick, yeah, in general would make me nervous, but the kiss cam. <laughs> I think I might I think I'd probably rather turn somebody down and leave you know unless it's like the Super Bowl <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think I'm probably gonna have to be like oh no like we gotta go talk like you, you need to stand up <laughs> you you grossly overestimated our relationships <laughs> also I'm married uh, I feel, but like, I feel so bad because you know what happens. The couples like they go to like a hockey game or something. Next thing you know, they're on the big screen, and yeah. like you don't see a lot of girls say no, which I think is really just saving face. But I do mm -hmm. not think all those people get married. <laughs> no, I do not. <laughs> okay, and our last one is get arrested for protesting a parking ticket. Mm -mm. Not a whole lot of money in that. All right, so. We are going to draft. Welcome back. We have drafted our choices, and now we're going to find out how adequate everyone's day was. Thad had the following day. Started off with having his job randomly send him out to poll 150 people. Uh, then moved on to come to believe that his best work friend is legitimately delusional. And then was arrested for 
protesting a parking ticket. Lauren's day went having to recount an episode of Family Matters three times in a row and having her audience interrupt to ask questions each time. Then moved on to having one of her top three most embarrassing moments reenacted, post-produced with pop-up bubbles of information and put on YouTube. And spending three nights in a mental institution due to a misunderstanding. Assume, presumably about the YouTube video. Um, <laughs> <laughs> me, I went with uh, have every person at work repeatedly call me by the wrong name, a name that I absolutely hate. Um, then have a co-worker publicly propose to me at a large sporting event or concert on a day that I forgot to wear my wedding ring. And for me, also sitting next to Andy Dick at an event, and the kiss cam puts us both on the big screens. So <laughs> maybe I work with Andy Dick, and he proposed to me when the kiss cam came. I don't know. Anything's <laughs> <laughs> it, possible. But every, everybody had a bad day. But who had the worst day? Um, so for this section, I had Thad winning and winning the overall. By a score of pulled it out of eight to seven. Yes, <laughs> total domination is what you meant to say. <laughs> <laughs> so, Thad, any thoughts that you'd like to share with the the public? Yeah, uh, this was kind of a weird episode. If anybody's seen Scott Pilgrim, he has to fight Nega Scott at the end, like the negative version. And, like, Lauren is, like, negathad because all of the answers that I had were getting used and thrown right back at me. It was like, it was, it was like I had to defeat myself, a different version of myself. Uh, although, although that's why this is an audio podcast and not a video podcast is I'll say ridiculous things like that. Uh, so, I cherish this victory and I add it to my collection of victories, which is starting to grow quite large. <clears throat> <laughs> and uh but i do want to commend lauren on almost beating me at my own game <laughs> literally and figuratively <laughs> well, congratulations we hope you'll join us for a more informal discussion about the episode in part b until then thank you for visiting the hoodoo factory the source for all your hoodoo needs good night pumpkin but a fuko to you too pantyhose Thank you for visiting the Hoodoo Factory, the source for all your hoodoo needs. You can follow us on Twitter at hoodoo underscore factory. The Hoodoo Factory is part of the Stolen Dress Podcast Network. Please stop by the gift shop on your way out. And remember, the Hoodoo Factory is the supplier of the only known antidote for abs of fever. <laughs> <laughs>